You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Episode 7 of Destination Freedom Black Radio Days Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Donnie L. Betts. For more than 20 years now, Destination Freedom Black Radio Days picked up where the first nationwide African-American radio drama left off. The original boundary-breaking program produced in Chicago by Richard Durham more than 60 years ago walked a daring line between reform and revolution. It illuminated important yet largely unknown chapters in the history of human rights and demonstrated how radio played its part in the struggle for social change. However, as McCarthyism and anti-communism tightened its grip on America broadcasting, the radio program was shut down in 1950. Our current show, now branded Black Radio Days, draws on the classic archives of the original Destination Freedom program. Since 1998, we've continued the tradition of showcasing the extraordinary lives of great African Americans and other people of color, past and present. In our upcoming season, we will examine the intersection of law enforcement and communities of color by exploring the complex issues of police shooting, immigration, and gender bias. Support for Destination Freedom is provided by Bonfi Stanford Foundation, the Ulipians Fund of the Denver Foundation, and Arts and Society. For more information, please visit nocredits.com and click on Destination Freedom. Enrique's Journey is based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel by Sonia Nazario and adopted by Anthony J. Garcia. Garcia describes Enrique's Journey as a beautiful, sad, and inspiring testimony to the power of love and loneliness. Although love does not solve everything for Enrique, without it, he cannot survive. Enrique's Journey is about an immigrant from Honduras as he navigates a hostile world filled with thugs, bandits, and corrupt cops. His dangerous journey forces him to cross rivers, and cling to the tops of trains as he travels to the United States to reunite with his mother. Enrique's journey will be told in four parts. Stay tuned afterwards for our community discussion directly after the program. And now, Enrique's journey's conclusion, part four. Part four, the journey ends. Against all possible odds, Enrique now stands on the shore of the Rio Grande. He steps in the water on the border of the United States, and the final step towards his reunification with his mother Lourdes, 1,600 miles and a lifetime away. 
No, Enrique. They say, drink from the Rio Grande, then you will stay in Nuevo Laredo forever. Oh, in that case, I won't drink it. Turn back. Thank you for returning to your country. Every day, they take their inner tubes on halfway to that little island, and then they wait. How far do they let them go until they... Turn back. Thank you for returning to your country. Not too far. Don Pablo, I washed windshields at the taco stand until 4 a.m. this morning. Mira, 28, 29, 30 pesos. Don Pablo, I need to call my familia and let them know that I made it this far. Pues then, you need to get a phone card. But they cost 50 pesos. And I'll work again tonight. Pero mañana, go to la parroquia de San Jose. They will give you a food cart worth 10 meals. And after St. Joseph's, you must go to the Church of the Santo Niño. They will give you a cart for five meals. You will then have one meal for 15 days. Oiga, Enrique. Ay, el patero. ¿Qué dices, viejo sangrón? Nada, que ustedes uh, nada. Que, que gracias al Tirindaro for, for allowing us to stay in your camp. You might make fun of what I do. All you little duckies are very happy to cross the river in the rubber tubes. Then you want a patero. It's a good thing what you do, Tirindaro. Do I charge you much to stay in my camp? No. Everyone else brings me beer, some bring me drugs, but you two bring me nothing. But today, I have found a huatolote. <laughs> you found a turkey? Pues, it was in someone's yard, pero ahora es mío. And a piece of it can be yours too. For a few pesos. Oh, gracias. Vete para allá. Turkey para todos. Vamos, don Pablo. Except you, viejo sangrón. You leave my camp. Ah, oh, pero Tirindaro, uh, let don Pablo stay. Ya te dije. I'll talk to him, don Pablo. Ah, no me cae bien ese muchacho. He's a heroin addict. He mixes it up in a spoon. It's black. He warms it with a cigarette lighter and then shoots it into his arm. To him, is la cura. I know about the cure, Don Pablo. He can be very mean when he hasn't had his dose. He's good to you because you're young and one day you will pay him to take you across the river in a rubber tire. One day, though, he will end up dead. ¿Me entiendes? I'll speak to him, Don Pablo. I'll ask him to let you stay. Ah, no le hace, Enrique. This place is as bad as any other. Am I safer staying in a place surrounded by thieves, drug addicts, and criminals that I know? Or will I be in greater danger with thieves, drug addicts, and criminals that I don't know? I will not be able to pay him to take me across, so I have no value for him. Pero Enrique, you keep working at it, and you will get across. Gracias, Don Pablo. Allí viene el hongo. Enrique, we call you the mushroom because you are so quiet and you just sit there soaking in todo. Es que you're worried about the old man. He can come back. Back, but not right away. It will be good for him to be on his own. He can learn a lesson, que no? Sí, Tirindaro. Mira, hongo. Estos hombres son parte de los osos. They control this stretch of the river. They decide who crosses and who doesn't. Who lives and who dies. ¿Me entiendes? Sí. 
I pay the osos a little and a little to the policia. They stay away from the camps. Everyone gets a taste y luego everyone is happy. Pues el otro día, the police came to the camp and they asked for identification and they, they took whatever change that I had. ¿Y? ¿Y? ¿Y qué pasó? Nada, they took my money and they left. Others are not so lucky. They often want thousand pesos just to let you in the water. And if you jump in without paying, pow, pow. Don't we all watch out for you, Ongo? You are the youngest and we protect you. That's because of me. ¿Me entiendes? You're doing well because you are learning. You know where to go and where to stay away from. See? Sí. Quería decir que when the time comes for you to cross, you know who will take you, see? Sí. Entonces, how much money have you saved up? 20 pesos. <laughs> 20 pesos! And how did you earn all that? Ah, pues es que I wash, I help park cars and I wash windshields. Sí. Those are the tips that I made. And what will you do with that? Es que I have to buy a phone card para llamarle a mi mamá. ¿Dónde está tu mamá? En lugar que se llama North Carolina. Has she been in North Carolina long? 12 años, 12 years. Mira, Ongo, when you call your mamá, you need to tell her that it will cost much more than 20 pesos to get to the other side. It will cost 1,200 dólares. But for that much money, I can make sure that you get to her safely. ¿Me entiendes? Sí. And I will help you while you're here. You can work with me, and we'll soon make enough money for your phone card. ¿Que no? Pues sí. Bien. Come with me, Ongo. You have to prepare for when we cross. Remember to take a gallon of water, learn where to get in the river, where not to. Be cautious and smart, and you will get to a better life. Ah, the life I live here isn't much different than the life I lived in Honduras. Pinches pobres. It's always at the bottom. That's all we ever are. The only difference is Maria Isabel. Ah, una novia. A girlfriend and maybe a baby también. Vas a ser papá. Quizás. When I left, we weren't sure. Then why go? If you have people who love you. I want to be with my mama. I want to know her. You will. Does it feel better to talk about it? Sí. Entonces bien. Oye, ¿y vos? Do you have someone? No. Solo estoy. I'm here alone. I have a cardboard box for a bed. I'm closer to my mommy, pero I feel a million miles away. A plastic bucket is all I have to wash windows and carry water. It's the most valued thing that I have. No tengo cobija. But at least I have some zapatos. There are pobres that don't have shoes. La lluvia will pass. I will use my shirt to cover me from the rain. I'll keep my hands warm and my heart will stay warm. Knowing that soon, I'll celebrate un día con mi mamá. Una 
Una fiesta para las madres. Para el día de las madres. Que vivan las madres. Que vivan. To all the women who bring life to the world, to all the mothers. To, to the mothers. A las mujeres. To the to women. The women. Despierta, mi bien, despierta, mira que ya amaneció. Y a los pajaritos cantan, la luna ya se metió. Mi hija tenía ocho años, and she begged me not to go. She asked me to send back one thing on her ninth birthday, a doll that cries. Yo tuve una pesadilla. Every night the same nightmare. Mi hija is killed and my little boy runs away in tears. I pray cada día, Dios, don't let me die on this trip. If I die, they will live on the street. Una fiesta para las madres. A fiesta for the mothers. Las madres sin hijos. The mothers without children. Levantarte de mañana, mira que ya amaneció. Ay Dios, el fuego, the fire, it's everywhere. Am I dreaming? my mommy. Mommy! It's okay for a mother to leave. But just for two or four years, no longer than that. Yo quiero que te portes bien. I have dreams for you, Enrique. You promised to come home on Christmas. And you never did. ¿Por qué no regresaste? Enrique, we needed the money. You should have come home. Mijo, that was not possible. I have dreams también, mamá. And mis sueños, they're filled with empty spaces, empty places, emptiness where arms should be. I've always felt alone all my life. Mis sueños never take me far from you. Te veo en todos los lugares donde me ando. Y te quiero siempre, mijo. I love you always. Mami? Ay, Dios. I know the dream of my mother. I don't know what it would be like to see her. She'll be happy. Yo también. I want to tell her how much I love her. I want to tell her how much I need her. In mis sueños, I escape to you and we are all together. Oh, 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 perdón. Do, do you want me to come back later? No te aguitas. To some, to put a needle in your arm before you give a man a tattoo is not a good idea. But the heroin will help to steady my hand. Estás listo, Ongo? I hear you're ready to be a man. I like the marijuana también. Have you decided what you want? Sí. I want you to write Enrique y Lourdes aquí on my chest in, in black ink. But I want them to be close together so it looks like one, like a memory of my journey. Ahora tienes el dinero para la llamada. 
Yes, I have the money for the call. Toma esa mota. I have bad news and good news, jefe. Yes. Which do you want first? The good news? I will do it for free. And the bad news? I only have green ink. Ah! Ow! 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 Te Shouldn't hurt much, just a little prick. Cut, I mean. Si, pero no mucho. Ay. Ay, como me duele la cabeza. Mmm, a little crudo this morning, Enrique. Sí. Tirindaro had cervezas. He said I could pay him back later. Enrique, ¿qué es? Es que soy un estúpido. Okay, you are stupid, ¿y qué? If we were smart, we would be living in the gran casa overlooking the city. Pero we chose to live day to day on the streets como mensos. I spent the money for my phone call on food. Now I can't call my tío in Honduras to get the number for my mami in los Estados Unidos. And they stole my right shoe también. What are you wearing? I fished another left shoe out in the river. Mm, that could work. They stole my bucket también. Now I can't even wash windshields. You were hungry. We all get hungry, Enrique. <sighs> Entonces, ¿qué vas a hacer? I don't know. I'll tell you what. I'll lend you my bucket. You, you can make some money. And Padre Leo allá en la iglesia de San José, he has a phone. You will have to wait in line and have a phone card, but they will let you use it. Gracias, amigo. Enrique de Honduras. Enrique, there, there's a phone call for you. Hello? Uh, sí, habla Enrique. Tío Carlos. Uh, sí, it's me. I'm fine, I'm fine. Sí, bien. Uh, mira, I, I'm going to see my mommy in los Estados Unidos. Me podría dar tu número de teléfono. Please, please, tío. I, I will see if Tia Rosa has it. Uh, sí. Sí, sí, sí. Ajá. ¿Tú Carlos? ¿Tú Carlos? Una llamada de teléfono para Enrique de Honduras. Chao, Ponco, para Enrique de Honduras. Enrique de Honduras. Parece que no está. He's not here. Uh, sí, can you reverse the charges? Uh, yes, this is Enrique. Uh, gracias. Adiós. What if she won't accept the call? She told me not to come. What if she tells me to go back? Bueno. Mami? Hola, mijo. ¿A dónde estás? Where are you? Uh, I'm in Laredo. ¿Dónde está tú? Where are you? I'm in North Carolina. I was so worried. How are you coming? Mijo, you need to get a coyote. 
I know one that I trust in Piedras Negras. No, no, I, I have one that I believe can do it. Pero he costs $1,200. Yo, yo, yo sé que es mucho dinero, pero I... No, mijo, I will get the money. You, just be careful. If anyone catches you, I don't know you. ¿Me entienden? Sí, sí, claro. Ahora de vestirse. Yes, take off your clothes. Get down to your underwear. This inner tube is our transportation. It is very dangerous, but will probably give us the best chance to get across. En el otro lado del río is a 50-foot pole with cameras in the daylight. Yo he visto cuatro carros de la migra. Four of the cars right next to the pools. Tonight, I see none. Everything will depend on you paying close attention and doing everything I say. ¿Me entienden? ¿Listos para ir? But you know that I can't swim. ¿Y a mí qué me importa? If you drown, you won't be the first. Let's go. Here, get in the inner tube and put this plastic bag on your lap. Lleva eso. These are dry clothes. Or are you going to run around in your underwear all the way to North Carolina? The waves are strong and the wind is blowing everything around. Turn back. Thank you for returning to your country. Ahí está la isla. Cállate, idiota. Vamos. Suete. Climb up. Don't rustle the bolsas. Don't paddle and don't make any noise. Aquí estamos. We're here on U.S. soil. Los Estados Unidos. La migra, the border patrol. Vamos, en silencio. Stay quiet. Here, step into this arroyo. Está frío, the water's cold. Shh. Climb out of the creek. Pónganse esa. Put your clothes on. Dress quickly. Toma eso. Solo pan. Qué raro. My first meal in los Estados Unidos. Here, you will need the energy. No gracias. I'm, I'm too nervous. This is the hard part. You have to stay away from the houses because the dogs will bark and that will warn the migra. Follow me. Hurry. Aquí. Up ahead, the truck with the headlights flashing. Vamos. Enrique, get in the truck. Ahora sí. Now that I am in this truck, no one can get me out. <laughs> Good job, Tirindaro. You got me here safely. Toma, here's your share. One hundred dollars. That's a thousand pesos, wey. See? And you make how much? How much do you make for driving them? Do you want to change the arrangement? No, no, no. Hey, don't you want to say goodbye to your pollitos? <laughs> pa' qué? We have no more business. Uh, don't go away. Mad. Just go away. <laughs> Next stop, Dallas, Texas, USA. San Judas Tadeo, God has granted to you the privilege of aiding humankind in the most 
desperate cases. Oh, come to my aid that I may praise the mercies of God. All my life I will be your grateful client until I can thank you in heaven. Lourdes, vente a dormir, come to bed. There is nothing for you to do but wait. Ay, no puedo. I have, I have dreams that he's dead. He's floating allá en el río. His body is wet and swollen. Lourdes, por favor, you can't think of things like that. But my greatest fear is that I will never see him again. He is close. He said he knew the coyote, see? Ah, a smuggler is never a friend. I have photos of him, but not since he was a little boy. He, he's probably very big, uh, most likely taller than me. I knew he was getting into trouble. They said he changed, que andaba fumando marihuana, pero que iba a hacer? Si. Si, aquí está. Bueno. Ay, Dios. Ay, oh, oh, gracias. You have Enrique? He, he is all right, see? Oh, gracias. Gracias. Enrique, you are here in the United States. You are here. Estás vivo. ¿Qué dices? No. $1,200 is all we have. I put Enrique on the line. Well, then wake him up. He can lose a little sleep right now. Uh, let me talk to him. Well, you just said he was asleep, and now you said he's gone? Let me talk to him ahora. Hola, Enrique. ¿Sos tú? Oh, I, I, I don't know your voice. We've only talked once. Um, 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 what can you tell me so, so that I know it's you? Um, let me think. Your shoes. What kind of shoes do you have on? That's right. Two right shoes. They told me they stole your left shoe. You are wearing two left shoes? ¿Es él? Sí. ¿Todo bien? No. I need you to loan me 1,200. That plus my 500 will bring my son to me. ¿Bien? Y... Y... Y I need you to take off work and drive to Florida to pick him up. ¿Bien? Sí. Are you Lourdes's hijo? Sí. Vámonos. Are we lost? No. Are you sure we're not lost? Yes. Yes, we're lost? No. I am sure we are not lost. Do you know where we're going? Is everyone in your family crazy? Te digo, we are almost there. Wow, mira esas casas. Those are big houses. Do we live in one of those houses? Not quite. Esta casa mobile acá, the white one. In English, es mobile home. Son las 10 de la mañana. It's 10 a.m. And after 12,000 miles, 122 days, and 11 years, I finally enter my mother's house. ¿Dónde está mi mami? 
Where's my mother? ¿Dónde está mi mamá? Mami. Mira. Lourdes, are you right? You are here, mijo. I'm here, mamá. Mira, mamá. Look what I put on my chest. A tattoo. I'm going to tell you this, mijo. I don't like tattoos. They are for delinquents and people in jail. But at least if you got a tattoo, it was because you remembered me. I always remembered you, mommy. Tengo noticias de Enrique. Something about Enrique? He's all right, isn't he? Sí, todo está bien. He made it to Los Estados Unidos. He's with his mama. I know, no. Mija, ¿estás loca? Are you crazy? I said he made it to the United States. He is all right. He is alive and unhurt. <laughs> no, ay Dios, no. What's wrong? You should be happy. No, he will never come back. Relax, mija. Now that he is there, he will send money. If he had stayed here, you would have both died of hunger. Uh, mommy, ya llegué. I'm home from work. I tengo mi check. Y quiero ayudar con los gastos. My first paycheck. I want to give you $50 for the food. Ay, mi hijo. Estás tan grande. You are so grown. It's a miracle that you're here. Mama, I was promoted at the paint shop. And now, I'm a sander. I'll be making $9.75. Compre soda. I bought you some Coca-Cola at the store. Pero, mami, I never drink Coke. I only drink a Sprite. Oh, perdón, mijo. I didn't know. No hay de qué. It's fine. Oh, I saw that the community center has classes in English. You could go to school, mijo. <laughs> no, mami. No. After all this time without having anything, I want to work and have my things. La vida del pobre está muy cabrona, mami. Ay, mijo, don't talk like that. I don't like that kind of language. Ay, mami, it's, it's a little too late to change me. Well, you will have to change. Si no, we will have problems. I want a son who, when I say do something, he says okay. You can't tell me what to do. Yo hablé con María Isabel, and she told me that she called last week and that you wouldn't accept her call. That's right. There are eight of us staying here, and we don't have extra money to be paying for other charges. ¿Quién eres? Who are you? Yo no te conozco. <laughs> you don't know me. Let go of me. You will respect me. Yo soy tu madre. If I was your abuela. Oh, it was her. She let you do whatever you wanted. What, what are you doing? You have no right to hit me. You didn't raise me. Abuela raised me. Her I respect. I sent money. I supported you. That is raising you. Siempre. Mami? Mijo, I was worried about you. You ran out of the house angry. Perdón, I'm sorry. I love you, mami. Where did you stay last night? I was fine. And that noche, I slept in el coche de un amigo. He let me sleep in the back seat of his car. And mami, hablé con María Isabel. ¿Y? Y ya llegó el nene. María Isabel had a baby girl. Vas a ser abuela. You're a grandmother. Oh, gracias. Su nombre. 
Su nombre es Katerin Hasmin. Y ella se parece a mí. And she has my eyes and my mouth and my nose. Bueno. María Isabel. Enrique. Did you talk to your tía? Sí. My tía says that now I should go to the United States. ¿Y vos qué decís? I told her that if I had the opportunity, I would go. If I need to, I'll leave my baby behind. Sí. You'll have to leave the baby behind. When I think back on the eventos that brought me to this place, yo recuerdo cuando I was a little girl and my mother could not feed me. Should I hate her too? When I was eight years old, I found odd jobs. A neighbor gave me clothes to wash in the river. My mother sent my sister and I to work for a former neighbor, neighbor as live-in maids. When I was 14, my mother sent me to live with your Tio Marcos. She did this to keep me alive. How could I hate her? My mother is sacred to me. Why would you promise to come home every Christmas? The gifts don't make up for your love. You left me abandoned. You forgot all about me. So now you feel you have the right to destroy me? To destroy yourself with drugs and liquor? All my life I have been running to you. But now all I want to do is just run away from you. I can't leave, Enrique. You are not ready for me. Yasmin is too small. Things are bad here. But not as bad as they would be without our daughter. No, no, you have to come to me. I need you. I've always been alone and now I'm alone again. I need you. What money have you saved to bring Maria Isabel? I've sent her money. Except when you spent it on drugs and cerveza? Enrique, I can't go to you if you're not ready for me. You fight. You hate me. I was not like the other mothers. I called. I wrote. I sent money. Ah, blame your father. He was supposed to take care of you. Your sister Belki turned out well. She didn't take drugs. She finished school. She doesn't hate me. Sh just shut up! Leave me alone! I don't want to hear from you! I don't want to see you! It's almost been four years, Enrique. Your daughter has had birthday parties without you. She has learned to speak without you. You will never get that back. You are here, Enrique. And although we are apart, we are together. Every night I pray to God to give me my papers. I want to be with you. I want us all together. All I have ever wanted was to be with my children. I did it to feed you. What are you feeding, Enrique? Your hatred? Was it hatred that caused you to go through so much to be with me? Or was it love? Where is the love, Enrique? Dios. Fuego. Fires everywhere. Please, save me. Mami, ayúdame. Maria Isabel. Aquí estoy. Por favor, save me. She's in the house packing. Does the baby know? I think she's going to find out now. Mommy, ¿por qué llores, mommy? I'm crying because I hit my arm, mija. There, there. Why are you crying, mija? Because you are crying. When you hurt mommy, it hurts me too. Are you ready to leave? Where is my mother going? 
I'm going out. I'll be right back. Where are you going? I'm going downtown. Are you coming back? See me, I'm coming back. The coyote called. He's ready to meet you. Andale, mija. Go with your tia Belki. I vote tia Belki. Que Dios te bendiga. God bless you. Gracias, tia. I'm leaving now. Goodbye. Maria Isabel, I just realized you never said goodbye to Hasmin. I know. The fire. The fire's growing. The nightmare that I've been having, it, it's real. And the fire's been following me. I can't move. I can't move because I'm afraid. Papi? Mia? Don't be afraid, Papi. I'll save you. Pero el juego? The fire? Don't worry, Papi. Walk to me. Asmin? It's okay. I can do it. Te quiero, Papi. I can do it, mija. The cast for Enrique's Journey, parts three and four, included Jose Guerrero as Enrique, Jenny Urieta as Maria Isabel and Migrant, Felicia Gallegos Perez as Tia Gloria, Lourdes, and Migrant, Angelina Gurulei as Cristina and Migrant, Lorenzo Gonzalez as Sireño, Don Pablo, Barber, and Policia, Phil Luna as the doctor and policia. Camilo Luera as stranger, el brujo, and migrant. Diego Estrada as papa grande and migrant. Fabian Vasquez as tirindaro and migrant. Elise Perez as Hasmin. Music by Adolfo Romero. Foley was done by Donnie Albets. Engineers were Arnold King and Maurice Smith for KGNU. Dave Ashton, video support. Rob Grosby and Sid Pinchback. Well, thank you all. Give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you all very much. And give the, a round of applause to our actors uh, for 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 doing this this piece um, for us. This was <laughs> it was an interesting work. It's this is um, uh, Sonia is Sonia Nazario who uh, who who did the journey right. I have to say, you know, I said it before and I'll say it again. Is like I had the easy part because I didn't have to ride on any trains. Uh, I didn't have to go through that that piece, but I, I I I give her. She's still working very much with the immigrant community. She's still sacrificing. Also, just a prop, just a shout out to Daniel Valdez, who wrote a lot of the musical themes that you hear in in the piece. And um, and I I, um, I I don't know where you want us to start with the conversation. You want us to segue directly? Yeah. Uh, well, and and I'll do the introductions okay. if that's what you want. Too. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say thank you for. Um, Tony, for collaborating with uh, Destination Freedom for bringing us to uh, the radio listeners' ears, and thank again for KGNU for always being very supportive. But Tony, it's been incredible to be able to work with you and the cast. Um, so we just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart that uh, it's been an amazing journey. Um, you uh, you work very hard. You wrote beautiful words and uh, adapted this this journey that like you said Sonia took, uh, but it took um, a lot of effort from you to to bring it to where we are today. 
uh, I, I, I want to introduce uh, our, our, our people here who are going to be working with us. But before I do, I, I'd just like to share a couple of things with you quickly, and then I will focus in on, on you guys, uh, your comments. Um, a couple of things happened to us in this piece that I'd, I'd like you to, to hear. First of all, I'm a Chicano from Denver's west side. This is my neighborhood. This is where I was born. The first time somebody told me to go back to where I came from, I thought they meant down in Auraria, right, where I lived, right? Somebody said, go back to Mexico. It was a shock to me because I had never been to Mexico, right? So that kind of experience wasn't there. And we know the Central American community that we have here in Denver is relatively small. But two things happened that, that really, I thought, that gave me, uh, that I got out of it, okay? So we were in, this was commissioned by Fort Lewis College. Uh, Sonia was coming into Fort Lewis. They thought they would put this, this additional piece to it. And I said, I want to, I want to interact with the, the local Latino community. What's the immigrant community here like? They didn't really know. So they took me to a place where they were doing bilingual education and uh, bilingual, they were doing bilingual classes is what it was. And they kind of dropped me off and then they left. And I went in and I went into the class and I was, I, I really just wanted people to be able to come out and see the show. And I started to tell the story about this. And I was talking about the part in the play where they throw the food, they throw the packages onto the train and, uh, and for, the, for the migrants and such. And I this was in Spanish. I won't do it in Spanish now, but this is in Spanish. I said, so do you know what those were? And one of the women raised her hand, and she said, si, son milagros. They are miracles. These were the gifts. And she said, I know this because I made that journey. And then she began to talk about how she was from Nicaragua. She came up. She rode the trains, the points where she almost died. And before we knew it, I had you know, 50 people in a, it was a cry session for the next hour and a half, right? Uh, but it was profound that we ended up hiring her as a consultant. Since the university couldn't pay her, I paid her out of my share, which was not a big deal. Uh, but it was like having her there, she told the kids, go and tell my story. The kids who were acting in the production. So that was just incredibly that those stories are right there. And then when we were in LA in front of a Central American audience, the hard, one of the hardest things we had to do is we had to teach our Spanish-speaking actors the accent, the Honduran accent, because it was a big deal when we were in we were in L.A. And so we were there, and there was a part towards the end of the play where Enrique says, they were bringing in school groups, and a lot of these kids were from Central America. They're bringing in school groups, and Enrique says, uh, Maria Sabel says, if I go, I'll have to leave the baby behind. And Enrique says, yes, you'll have to leave the baby behind really, you know, completing that circle, that cycle, right? And the kids started to shout in the audience, no, don't do it, don't go. Poor Jose. <laughs> he had to continue to the rest of the production. So for me, it spoke to two things, the reality, the realness of what people were experiencing. This wasn't something that we were presenting. It was only something that we were sharing, that we were, we were then the conduits for this. But it also speaks of the trauma that people are going through and the trauma that still kind of continues. So I thought that that would be one of the talking points that we could talk about. Let me introduce people I would like to do. I'll introduce each of you. And if you could give a brief, and I won't do your background. We'll just do the brief, and just a brief one, and then we'll circle back to that question, if that's cool with you. 
Everybody got me? Okay, so first of all, I'd like to introduce a very good friend of mine, Marge Taniwaki. Uh, Marge is here, and she's going to talk about her experience within, uh, within the Japanese-American community and such. I also have Kiara Chavez from Modus Theater, uh, and Nicholas Botanelli. Botanelli? Yeah. Okay, and uh, he is Casa de Paz. So, Marge, if you could talk a little bit about your background and, and your shared connection real quickly, and then we'll, come, we'll take longer as we move forward, okay? Thank you. I was born in Los Angeles in 1941 and spent the first four years of my life in the concentration camps for Japanese Americans during World War II. Enrique's journey reminds me of how we need to learn all of each other's stories so that we can share them and know the struggles that, that each of us have been through so that they can't uh, use things against us. The, the more we know, the more we're better prepared to fight. My name is Kiara Chavez, and I was born in Colima, Mexico, where I also spent the first four years of my life. I then moved here, and since then I've been undocumented living in the United States. I primarily know Denver as my home, and I have two U.S. citizen sisters and two undocumented parents, so I'm a part of a mixed-status fam mixed family. I now work for Modus Theater, where I share my story of being undocumented in the United States, as well as I work for them as their community development marketing coordinator, and Modus Theater's mission is essentially to create original theater to facilitate dialogue on critical issues of our time and critical issues including immigration and the criminal justice system. So I too believe in the power of storytelling and um, how individuals can carry those stories with them to have more compassion and more leadership and ownership of the issues that surround us. Um, Thank you so much for having me today. It's such an honor. My name is Nick Bottinelli. I've been working in Latin American issues for over 25 years, the last two years with Casa de Paz. Uh, over the last seven years, Casa de Paz has helped reunite over 3,000 people uh, with their families. Ten miles east of here is the privately run prison uh, housing immigrants uh, here for many reasons, looking for asylum. and. Uh, Sarah Jackson, who started Casa de Paz, has been supporting them from uh, visitations in the detention center to attending their immigration court hearings to being there every day at 6 p.m. when some of them get released, uh, taking them back to the casa, showing them kindness and compassion and respect for the first time in, for some of them, years, and then working with them to get them back to uh, their families and I really appreciate it. it's uh, humbling being here, part of um, Destination Freedom, because we've been with uh, over 3,000 of them on their own uh, Destination Freedoms and Enrique's journey. So thank you. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize Jose had joined me. He kind of snuck up on me. It's because of all that practice in the trains, right? Uh, but uh, I'd like to introduce Jose Hoser Guerrero and just kind of do a little intro on yourself, if you yeah. don't mind. 
Hello, I, my name is Jose Guerrero. I'm a poet, I'm a, a musician, and of course an actor. I've been, had the honor of playing this role since two, 2012, and I think I'm probably gonna get too old here, probably four years ago. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So when there's, there's a part in the play where um, where they do, they, 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 there's a, they sing Las Mañanitas and they do this piece of the, the Dia de las Madres, right? And it's a really contrasting point because it's, it's, to me, it's so much about just them trying to have a normal life, of things being normal in incredibly abnormal situations. So maybe, uh, and Marge, you've been really good about explaining this and talking about the, the post-traumatic experience of, of living in those conditions. And maybe you can, if we can go through all of us and comment and take it wherever it goes after this, if that's cool with you guys. Right. So bringing it up to the present day, um, there was uh, a lot of trauma that happened with the Japanese Americans being imprisoned. Um, and of course we had done nothing even though we were accused of being spies and saboteurs. And I, uh, that's why it's so important for, uh, for us to learn each other's stories so that uh, we can uh, work to overcome the kinds of things that this government has done to, to so many different uh, people who have come here to the United States. And in that regard, um, the latest thing that I'm working on is something called Tsuru for Solidarity. Tsuru is Japanese for crane, like the origami, the paper crane that you fold. We're, we're going to fold 125,000 cranes, take them to Washington, D.C., to Lafayette Park across from the White House in June of 2020, and we're going to demand the closure of the camps that are um, uh, holding the children of asylum seekers, those that have been uh, separated from their parents and guardians, and to demand that there uh, be more humane and uh, uh, programs uh, of immigration, and to end the, the lies that they say about uh, people who are struggling to come here because of violence and poverty and uh, many things that the United States have caused in uh, countries to the south and actually all around the world. So um, uh, uh, I think by learning each other's stories, we can uh, be more courageous, uh, know that we have the power to change things in this world for the better uh, for everyone. So in regards to trauma, I have a lot of respect towards uh, the people working in Modus Theater because it was truly them, them who taught me that my experience had been traumatic. I, like they named it for me, even though I think my body and me kind of knew that. Um, it was something that was an awakening for me as I did the workshop with them where I wrote my story in the form of a monologue. And to me, the more, the thing that I learned the most is to kind of go through 
that trauma, you really need a community. And for me, at that time that I started telling my story, it was the very first time in a while that I was honest about that part of me and owning my identity as an undocumented immigrant. And that was also a very healing tool for me to overcome a lot of my traumatic experiences, to be able to share my story with others and not feel guilt or feel like I was doing something harmful to society for being an undocumented person um, really helped me in my mindset to be able to then help my community. But of course, I couldn't do that without first looking at other undocumented leaders and their journeys and learned from them how they had overcome all the similar traumatic experiences that I had gone through of rejection from a country that I knew as my home and of like reoccurring fear of my parents being taken from me, me being taken from my sisters and um, possibly having to go through the process of detention centers. It's a constant fear that like overtakes your body and then not only within your family but also because your friends with other families and people who are going through the same thing, their traumas impact you a lot as well. So in being able to have those honest conversations and get really emotional, I think that that building of community really helps people get out of their mind. And um, for me, it helps me overcome a lot of my depression. And of course, that continues to come in waves, but it's always about having to reach out to somebody and ha and feeling that power within yourself to be able to be honest and tell somebody when you need help. Yeah, we've all seen so many news stories and, and articles in the newspaper about people and their journeys, but nothing prepares us when we actually meet them face to face and get to know them over several days. Um, I mean, talk about crying sessions is so powerful. And, and they're traumatized not once, but many times over. They're usually traumatized in their home countries, which is why they're leaving. They're traumatized during the journey. And sadly, they're traumatized again in our detention system. And it's that trauma when they finally get to a safe place like Casa de Paz. I mean, many, um, you can just see the, the layers of trauma peeling off them and they just collapse when they finally feel safe for the first time in a year or two years. Um, so that, that trauma is something, it's so hard to address and, and that's probably one of our biggest challenges is working with this trauma and continuing effects of the PTSD as we stay with them uh, through their immigration, as their court cases are adjudicated through the system and they're living not always a happy ending with family or friends somewhere in the US. So, Jose, would you like to address that also? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll say a few things just quickly. I think uh, now I get to work with Sutiatro as well as a, as a teacher, teacher, and I go go into classrooms, and um, I get to see this oftentimes with with the students, right? And I think the the most obvious is the lack of trust that students have with with educators, and and you know I think that oftentimes I'm fortunate because I am person of color, so oftentimes they trust me a little bit more 
than they do, uh, let's say, their white teachers, right? And they, there's a, definitely a level of distrust, immediate distrust. And I see that continuing as they grow older as well, uh, especially with police or any kind of authority figure, right? That any single time, it, it's hard for anyone to ask for help, especially right um, it, when you feel that, right? When you when you kind of feel that these that these folks are against you and that they're here to to kind of attack you or that any any kind of any time they can turn on you. So I think that you know that when you speak on trauma, you know that's kind of where I. What I see it the most, especially with with the young people, and it's and I think that's that's the worst cases, right? And it's 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 the saddest, oftentimes as well. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up to the audience. If you have a question or you have a comment that you 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 like to make, uh, we can we can start to do that process. I just wanted to offer this piece and kind of referencing back to the play, the fire that Enrique is dealing with this stuff. It kind of represents that trauma. That, that he's going, uh, I asked, um, my grandson Isaac was, was it 12, eight years ago? So he was, he was 12 years old and we, he was watching the rehearsal and I said, so this is Enrique's journey. What is Enrique's journey? And Isaac said, he said, well, I said, the journey is for him to go from Honduras to the United States. And he said, I think the journey is about him finding himself, right? And that was a transformation in the piece and it's, this feeling so also that something is wrong with me mm -hmm. rather than something is wrong with the system. Mm -hmm. So uh, do we have anybody who's interested in stepping forward and, and, and offering something? I mean, I mean, you guys have to make a real big gesture because we got the lights in our face and I got my glasses on. So I got, oh, there's a glare. Yes, can you, can you come to the mic, please? Hi, um, great uh, evening and great to hear from all of you. I heard today um, from people, um, affected people in the community, that the recent Trump administration rules on the public charge that were allowed to take effect by the Supreme Court five to four uh, is really causing tremendous um, trauma and, and fear in the community and causing people to go hungry and without medical care because they um, are you know, fearful of getting what services may be available, even if they have children who are United States citizen, citizens. And I wondered if, um, if you've been hearing the same thing and if you have any comments on this. Well, I, I just had heard of it and I had my own I fears with it. I don't know people who are directly, well, I haven't heard stories. I know people who are impacted by it. But it really is just any time along the road if they are able to apply for legal permanent residence or citizenship, it's another barrier. But I just think it speaks um, a lot to what kind of immigrants the United States wants to accept. Of course, there are immigrants who are welcome to come to the United States. You just have to look a certain way and you have to be an upper class person or have a certain amount of money to be accepted. And so this is yet another discriminatory policy that the United States is instating to ensure that certain immigrants are able to apply for legal permanent residence and become US citizens, but others who are people of color and who are lower class are continue to be oppressed and be shunned for 
their, the oppression that they have faced because of the policies that the U.S. has enforced throughout its history. We, my, I teach at Metropolitan State University, and one of the comments that happens with my students, it's, it's kind of interesting. The DACA students are talking about when we go out in public and we're surrounded by European Americans, for lack of a better word, or English speakers, we make it an effort not to speaking not to speak Spanish because we don't want to press those buttons. Which is kind of for Chicanos, it was an effort for us to go and really start to learn Spanish again. And now we're having the flip, right? And we do we have that kind of and and it's it's kind of like a, just a different mindset that's taking us back 40 years. Did you have a comment that you wanted to make on that that question of? No, I concur with what she said. It's it's another gauntlet being put in the way, another racist obstacle being put in the way, trying to deter immigrants from coming here. Okay, Donnie's going to take over real quick. Well, I'm not taking over. We're just going to throw back to the station in about one minute. Uh, we're going to keep going with the discussion, but just giving a heads up to the station. We'll be coming back to you. Okay, I, I, you know, I think that the, that there, it also, we, we know what's happening. A lot of times we don't mention the, the, the T name around here. Uh, because it gets people's blood pressures going through the ceiling. <laughs> we try to find other ways of kind of approaching it and try to keep it lighter enough so that so that we can that we can get through to that other place because I think we all know that where we are in this country at this point, right? Uh, that that it just reflects a, a drastic shift that that is just that alienates half not just a small part of our community, it's alienated half of the community clearly. Um, are there any other comments? Would anybody else want to step in? You got something you wanted to say? No? What do we got? Okay, Mr. Mendez. Uh, Nick, could you um, maybe talk a little bit about how, uh, what, how people can help your organization and get involved? Sure. The uh, best thing to do is go to casadepascolorado.org um, and then all the information is there. We have probably 1,700 volunteers that offer all kinds of help to us. Uh, we really need more help in, in visiting uh, the detained immigrants. Uh, so many of them are going through major depression, have nobody to visit them. They're, you know, they, they're from California or Florida or Texas. Their families, usually it's the, the breadwinner that's the one locked up in the ICE geo-detention facility here in Aurora. The family obviously cannot afford to travel. Um, if they can travel, we let them stay in Casa de Paz for a week or so while they visit their loved one. Uh, we, we probably visit about 200 detainees a week, um, but there's, there's probably 200 more that are really requesting visits. So anybody who's able to visit detainees, we, we train you, and all that information is on the website. Obviously, we need uh, lots, of, lots of money um, to pay our rent and food uh, for all of our guests. Um, but anyway, the story is on the website, and it's an incredible story. Sarah Jackson, the founder, she's amazing, and it's probably the most powerful thing and emotional thing I've done in my life. Uh, I, I wanted to offer you, I mean, you, you made a connection, and I, I wanted to, Marge did, and, uh, and Donnie have, a couple of things between connecting, connecting us as, as community, I think that connects us as community, this piece of, of, of what the Japanese Americans went through during the period of the internment. Also, Donnie's connecting us up with Destination Freedom, which has a reference to the Freedom Railroad, and thinking about one of the comments, conversations we had was thinking of those trains as actually taking, as, as similar to the, 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 the Underground Railroad 
that carried people to another space. I think what it allows us to do is to connect, to connect ourselves as human beings. One of the biggest things that happens is that, and, and what's been happening coming out of the, the leadership in this country, has been a dehumanization of, of people. Whether you were just somebody who was opposed to the policies or whether you're somebody who's the target of those policies is that we are not, none of us are people anymore. There's some, whatever defect we have then becomes something, the adjective that rides with us, right? And so opportunities for us to say, as you're saying, hi, I'm a person, we're a person. And it's such a wild thing to be in 2020 and say, we have to prove that people are human and we have to start figuring out ways of treating. I wrote the show. I directed the show. I saw tons of rehearsals of this show, and I still go, the moments when some of these things happen in this, to me, those are those moments of humanity that we are all connected with, whether it's something that's powerfully hurt, you know, that hurts or just causes us to cry, or to call, causes us to laugh, like when she flips around and she starts asking, and you think you're, got, you're gonna have to give my, the, she asked the husband for this, and then this, and this. Anybody been in a relationship, you know how that kind of goes, right? It takes us back to that human moment. Okay, yes sir, can you come to the microphone, please? Is the Mexican government helping or hurting now? The change with, uh, uh, Obregon, um, it was quite a change in approach. And I'm just wondering if it's helping or hurting. Uh, the, the question is how is the Mexican government re reacting? Are they being beneficial? Well, or? I'd say they're, they're hurting the immigrants who are fleeing the violence in Central America because they've been coerced by 45's administration to prevent Central American migrants uh, from crossing the border into Chiapas. So it's um, horrible conditions on the Mexico's southern border. And, and Mexico is really trying to satisfy 45, um, really ramping up um, deportation of the Central American migrants back to Central America. So in my opinion, uh, they are definitely hurting the cause of immigrants who are searching for freedom. Yeah, and I mean, the Mexican government is just a whole other system of complexity, and they face their own corruption, and the people, as you heard, throughout Mexico, they're both good and bad people, similar to here in the United States. Some people throw rocks at people on the trains, and some people throw food, and so there really are just similar opposing views, but I would probably assume that right now, being a third world country, the Mexican government isn't able to provide much to the people of Mexico. I, I think from the production, there's a lot of conversation about, about how the Central Americans, there's this, the sequence when he's in the, the barbershop, it's all about him trying to pass for a Mexican rather than being seen as, as a Central American because he'll be deported. I think there's, some, the, there's been some tried accommodations along the northern border as we're seeing, because that's where all the caravans uh, kind of got stuck. I always think about th uh, that where I have any kind of influence should be in this country, and that should be my starting point. Um, but I think it's a really, a very important question that you ask. You were gonna say something, Marge, I'm uh, sorry. I think that the important thing is to remember that here in the United States, they make plans to do things t to us 
who are less able to fight, and we need to press uh, for changes uh, that are permanent instead of letting them uh, run the same uh, scam on us every time. If you think about the separation of children, it, it goes way back to the separation of children who were sold uh, into slavery uh, away from their parents. It goes to the separation of uh, the indigenous who were sent away to boarding schools, and uh, it just goes on and on and on. And so as we fight for our own survival and ways in which we can uh, change how this country operates, I think we have to really, uh, again, be courageous and uh, make sure that we put our efforts towards changing those policies that we know uh, they use over and over again. And it's always for someone to make more money. You know, if we were all less greedy and if we all uh, shared resources, there would be plenty enough for everyone uh, so that everyone could leave it in, in peace and with dignity. Hi there, I just uh, had a comment that something that I really appreciated in the creative choice of this show is honestly depicting uh, Enrique's journey as not being all sunshine and, sunshine and rainbows at the end, but very honestly portraying um, the choices that he makes once he's um, in the United States as not a reflection of, of poor character, but as a reflection of the cyclical nature of this system that one must self-medicate and one, it, it just keeps going on and on. So I just wanted to say I appreciate that. Thank you. That was actually, I mean, that was written into the, the story. Enrique still struggles with the drug problem. He's in his 30s now. He's not, he's, he and Lourdes can't live together. They, they clashed. They clashed quite a bit. He's aware of all this change. He just can't make the change. He just, and that's probably something that'll be passed on. I mean, he's got that, that trauma just gets passed on. And I think we see that multiple family trauma. Jose, I'm going to turn it over to you to, for, to wrap up. You get to say the last thing because you lived with Enrique's journey for eight years. And Sonia did concur that you're probably getting a little bit long in the tooth to be a 17-year-old there. He, he, you, in the, in, when he gets beaten up and thrown from the train, Jose used to jump off an eight-foot scaffold. Uh, no more? <laughs> I got a son, though. He'll take over. No, I'm just playing. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's it's such a I kind of going off to what, what you were saying. I think that um, I think that the story, oftentimes when, when we got critiques from you know from other folks, even from like the L.A. Times, they gave us like a critique, you know, saying that it was the play was a little too long or it was a little too repetitive, and I think. That was the point, right? That was it, it, it was seven deportations, and we were going to show you all seven, right? So that you you got the truth, right? We didn't. I think Tony didn't sugarcoat any of this, right? And I think that he took it and and he shows you the reality of this. And I think oftentimes we hear the narrative uh, told, you know, from from a Mexican perspective, right? Uh, and get you know we cross un rio, and, and these folks well, they're what, cuatro veces mojados, is that what, the, what, the, what they said, right? They, they have to cross three or four different borders, uh, and it's a completely different journey. And I think, uh, 
you know, we, we, we would have never really learned about this. I would have never really learned about this journey if it wasn't for being part of this production. Um, it just kind of opened your eyes to, you know, to, to how big this issue really is, right? And, and this is in, in Southern or Central America, right? But I'm sure there's, there's immigration from all over the world happening all over, and not just in America as well, right? That's the thing that we always forget, that it doesn't just happen here, right? This, there's ongoing issues in England and France and Germany, right? We, they all have these issues. It's not just an American problem, right? And I think that, that kind of goes to show that this is never really going to stop. This has been happening for so long. We're always trying to find a solution, but there's no solution really to this, to human movement and being free. Right? So that's the last I have to say. Thank you all so much for being here. We appreciate you. <coughs> and thank you so much, Jose. Um, I saw Jose in 2010 portray this, and that's, and I've been wanting to uh, work with him, and I have worked with him quite a few times since that time. Uh, I was so moved by uh, Enrique's journey at that time. You know, it was 20, 10 years ago now. But also I wanted to make that connection, and Tony pointed it out, about how it is a world issue. Uh, work with um, meeting the people at Casa de Paz uh, and meeting the, the, the African immigrants and the Haitian immigrants and those uh, who are also at that same border trying to get across, and they get de deported, you know, after they've gone across the whole continent and that sort of thing. So uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks, everybody, up here tonight. <clears throat> Thanks, Suchi Atro. Thank Anthony J. Garcia, and um, have a safe drive home. Thank you for listening to Destination Freedom. Please subscribe to our podcast at Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook at NoCreditsProductionLLC.com, Instagram, and Twitter at Donnie Betts, and at NoCreditsProductionLLC, or at Black Radio Days. I'm Donnie L. Betts. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.